All right, so here's what I want you to do, okay? Obviously, it's a different kind of morning, and that's all right. But we're going to talk real for a second. I don't know how, I don't know if I can, I can link the two together, but I don't know if that's going to happen. But they actually do go very hand in hand, talking about the power and the norm of God and what's norm to him. But before we do that, the service will actually start right here as well. And uh, I want you to look around. All right. So first of all, we've got a good many empty seats today. Now we've got people traveling, got people that just had babies. We've got people that aren't feeling good, and that's a part of it. Okay. I've got people that are working in different places. That's a part of it. But what I want you to see right now is not just the empty seats. We're going to come back to that. But I want you to look at how you're sitting. Have you noticed that every person, they have plenty of room around them, right? And why do we do that? Why do we do that? Part of it is because we're honoring and esteeming other people's space. But why do we need space? Because we like our comfort zones. And so what we're honoring and esteeming is part of that. A lot of times, what if I told you that what, you know, let's say, what if I told you that what Chris needed was he needed somebody to sit beside him and be a brother? Would you be willing to do that? I would. Yeah, I'd be like, yeah, man. All right. But see, here's what I want you to see. Our society has taught us how to do what I'm looking at right here, to keep ourselves separate and be individuals instead of being family. Instead of being family, we ought to be so close that we can come in, sit down next to each other and not get offended at each other and actually enjoy it. And so the word says this in Proverbs 16:3. it says, commit your works that your thoughts might be established. Okay. So right now, your thoughts might not be, I want to sit beside each somebody. But our works need to be that, that we need to have family. So I'd like for each one of us to get up. And the first thing is, Fill up every one of these front seats and then start there in the second row and then go that way, okay? Sometimes when we need help in our lives, you just need to take action. You just need to take action and make it happen. That's good. Awesome. All right. So let's, y'all three, I'm going to help direct here. Y'all three slide down one, and that way Amari and Daniel can come right there. Oh, do you? <laughs> Have a good one. <laughs> see you, see you, brother. Both of you or Amari too? Both of Okay, yeah, yeah, okay. All right, so y'all could stay in the center. Okay. Now, what's interesting here is this, all right? How does it feel all of a sudden? Does it feel more like we're one? Instantly, just like that, doesn't it? You see, a lot of times, there, biblical things sometimes have a physical answer to them. Not all spiritual thing is something that you can't see. There's a lot of spiritual things that say, all right, 
do it this way, right? Like with Moses, a spiritual thing for Moses was to separate his leaders and then assign them over something. That's a physical and a logic that's in this world. Yet, it was completely spiritual for him to do it. He solved a problem with a spiritual wisdom, but the result and the action was a physical logic. You know, we did a series uh, that we started uh, that was who, what, when, where, why, and how, and we never got to the how. We're still going to go back to it, but a lot of times that how is uh, to, the how is basically logical answers. For example, just this right here, it makes a difference. All of a sudden, you're thinking differently. I'm seeing you differently, right? Now, and you can look around, and here's the thing. Uh, does something need to change? I mean, look behind you, right? <laughs> does something need to change? All right. So what needs to change? You know, ultimately, it's exactly what Nicole was saying. Our mindset needs to change. And you see, we're not the only ones that are feeling this. And we're not the only ones that are seeing this. Actually, even in the huge mega churches and the seeker-friendly churches, they're having this same thing. It's just hidden by the numbers. A smaller church will see it. So you have to ask yourself, why? Why is that happening? Okay. Now, I think one thing is, but we, uh, this doesn't change what we should do, but I think one thing that's happening is this, is that, uh, there's a separation right now between people that are lukewarm and cold and the ones that are hot. I believe you're here because you're hot. You know, now, that doesn't make... I, I'm, I am awesomely excited that you are hot for God and you are here this morning. But that doesn't make me feel any better about empty chairs. <laughs> and it shouldn't make you feel any better about the empty chairs either. But we do have something to do about that. But we've got to make sure that we don't fall into the mindset that takes us to the place where we're lukewarm. Because that's what's happened. Now see, here's one of the traps that will happen in this. Is when we look around at this and we look behind us, how does that make us feel? You know. Weird, right? Like, does it make you feel like we're succeeding? It's discouragement, right? All right. So, and I feel that too. You know, I I feel it. I can't be moved by it, but I feel it. You can't be moved by it either. Maybe you have been, but you can't be moved by it. You have to say, okay, we have revealed the problem. <laughs> now we've got to come up with a solution. Well. God's got a solution. All right. Now, the problem is not just us. It's, it's just the age that we're in. It's the darkness. Now, we have been a part of the problem. Now, let me give you an example. I heard just this week a testimony about a church who wanted to honor their uh, volunteers. And so they had this big... Shindig. I mean, they had this meal laid out. They had gifts for all these volunteers. In order to have a place, to have a seat and at this dinner and at this thing, uh, you had to sign up and say, I'm coming. Now, these are not guests to the church. These are people that are doing the work in the ministry, right? 
Now, I don't know the exact number, but the person telling me said it was definitely over 100 people had signed up. Over 100 had signed up. And it was somewhere around like 100 to 120 volunteers at the church signed up to be there. They had dinner prepared for them. They had gifts for every single one of them. They just wanted to honor them and celebrate them, right? They, over 100, didn't just say I'd be there. Didn't just say, well, maybe I will. There wasn't just 100 volunteers and they invited them all, you know, randomly. They RSVP'd. 63 did not show up to that dinner. Uh, If you got 100 volunteers, that's a good-sized church. That's a church where things are working. 63 did not show up. That's a hard issue. That's a hard issue. And that's what we're seeing. We're seeing heart issues. And we can say, now because you're here today, you feel better about yourself and you're like, all right, I'm hot for God. But the, qu- the truth is, I'm hot for God today, right? right? See, we can't blame it on somebody else and say, because here's, here's another thing. You know, we sent out a message yesterday uh, talking about a wedding that was being had for a new member of our body. You know, besides Nicole and I, who were given to be here, you know, we don't have to be. We don't have to be a given, you know, but we choose to be. But besides that, three people showed up. Now, you got people working, you got schedules, you got everything. But before we go saying we're not like that church that had all those volunteers not show up, we can also say, hey, we're not, you know, we didn't have them here. Right? Hey, shouldn't we have had more people just to love them? This is a couple that doesn't have many friends. I think they had, they might have had seven people here. They might have had seven people that were, that they invited. The other two were photographers. Right? There wasn't, there wasn't a ton of family. But their family that you're talking about that should have been here to support them. We did have some people show up, and that was awesome, and we even thanked them. But shouldn't we have had more? Yeah. You know, before we say, oh, well, that's somebody else's heart issue, where you got got 100 volunteers that sign up and 63 don't come, and say, well, that's them, we don't have that issue. No, we have that issue too. And the first you know, place where we start solving the problem and solving the issue is when we recognize that we got one, you know. And it's, you know, we didn't start the issue. We didn't start the hard issue of being hot or cold for God or being lukewarm. We didn't start that. But we are in it. And we have to take responsibility for that. So, you know, what do we do? You know, we look around and well, the first thing that the devil does, you know, we've got to be humble enough where we say, okay, we've got a problem. We've got a problem. And like I said, we're not the only one that has it. Other churches have it too. I saw I saw a church actually here in town that everybody would say success is having much success. I saw a post and I knew what it meant behind the scenes. And the fact is they're having the same issue. Having the exact same issue we are. It's just hidden by numbers. And then you look at this. Now I want to, sh- I want to show you something because what the devil will do is he'll have you turn around backwards and look at empty chairs and say, oh man, this looks like we don't have anything but that's not true at all right. that's not true at all actually can we improve yeah. 
Yes, absolutely. And is it, you know, let me just read this. This is Ephesians 4, and we might come, come back to this. Verse 11, he gave some apostles, some as prophets, some as evangelists, some as pastors, some as teachers. And why did he give them? For the equipping of the saints. And why did he want the saints equipped? For the work of service. To the building up of the body of Christ, not only in maturity, but also in the size of it. Right? So who's, you know, whose issue is this? With these seats. Whose issue is it to fix? Who Who is anointed to fix that issue? We are. We are. Uh, I am? We are. We are. That's right. In other words, this, you know, my work is to equip you so that you can do that work. Right. So ultimately, if that work's not happening, those empty seats behind you is not happening properly. That's your failure, which is my failure. You understand? So I've got to take responsibility for that, just like you take responsibility. Together, as we take responsibility and humble ourselves to Christ, we start solving problems. Right. Now, what the devil will do is he'll try to take you to the condemnation side that makes you look at those chairs more than it looks at who's sitting in front of you. And what he'll do is he'll make you feel bad. He'll put you under condemnation. He'll make you say, man, stuff ain't working at Boomerang. And yet, in the middle of stuff ain't work, working at our church, whatever church it is, because we may have other people that watch this, whatever church it is where it looks like it's not working for whatever reason, you got to understand, and I want you to see what's happening. In the past few weeks, I have had more testimonies than we've had in the past year. We've seen more of the power of God. I've seen more revelation personally in the lives of people. I've seen their relationship, their intimacy and fellowship with God stretch to new levels. I've never, we've never seen since we've been in Boomerang. So while one area may have slipped and be wrong partly as a society, another area says we are succeeding. So we've got to go to the Word and find out who we are and what we are and what actually is going on instead of taking our cues by what we see. Right. You see, just because you tell me a testimony, that also is something that I see, and I can't be moved by that also. I have to be moved by what is right and what Christ tells me to do, just like you have to be moved by what's right and what Christ tells you to do. We don't take our cues by what we see, be it empty seats or testimonies. But I want you to know and I want you to hear, we're, you know, a few weeks ago and the last few weeks in worship, man, the Spirit of God has been here stronger than I ever remember Him being at Boomerang. I mean, the presence of God is here. But if the devil can keep our eyes on other things, all of a sudden we're, we're all discouraged and we don't even want to invite somebody to boomerang where God's moving. All right, let me read this to you. This, this is how unsuccessful we've been, okay? Thanks from me. This is uh, Miss Patsy who was Miss Rachel's mom uh, that was here for just a few weeks. To my extended Christian family, she just went home, what, three weeks ago? Something like that. She was here for about a month. Thank you. Listen, she's writing to you. This is to you. 
This is what you did. Thank you for making me feel right at home, for truly loving our Lord and Savior. Thank you for all your prayers. I received healing more than once in services there, and I will forever be changed. My body had been damaged in so many ways because of chemo. Not anymore. I am healed from head to toe. You are in my prayers and in my heart. Be blessed in Christ in Christian love, Patsy. And you just told me this morning. You didn't know she wrote that. You just told me this morning. Uh, tell that, hand, hand him that mic. Just that very quick. Two sentences, what you said. Yeah, I, uh, I called Rachel's mom uh, Friday on the way home, and she, she told me, she said, uh, I feel like I could run around my house. She said, I feel better now than what I did before I ever got sick. Now that's what's happening and the power of God that's happening right here. That, that was a month ago. So now the question is, are we being successful or unsuccessful? We're being successful. We're doing what God's called us to do. Well, it's like we were talking about in the class this morning. And if you didn't hear the class this morning, you need to hear it. It, it's, uh, it, it talks about being born again or not being born again, the fruit of salvation, can you lose it? And it's probably some of the best I think the Lord's ever given me on that. But there's more to it than that. But in the class this morning, how we talked about that the devil, if you're doing things right, do you think he's going to leave you alone? No. no. We've known for years and years that if somebody walks through this door and they connect to Boomerang, their problems are going to go away. We know that the solutions are going to come. Why? Because we're preaching the word and we're not compromising it. And the process, if you start looking at empty seats, what you want to do is you want to start compromising that word. Let's do whatever it takes to get people in here. But who says that that's success? Success is that lives are changed. I think earlier this week, I, I don't remember the exact quote, but it was something along the lines of, success is not how many people are there, but how many people's lives are changed forever, like Miss Patsy just said. I'm changed forever. That's success for Christ. We're having that happen. But that doesn't mean that we can't get better. But it doesn't mean that the devil's not going to attack that either. He's going to try and pull up any reason for people not to join together, for any reason for people to disconnect. Why? Because he knows if they connect, they get healed. They connect, they get well. They connect, they start getting hot for God. He knows that. So he'll tell them anything, anything that they'll let him tell him to keep them from connecting from trusting from being a part of it you know one of the things recently that we've talked about is um you know i i a few weeks ago i i think we talked about this at the men's group but a few weeks ago i read something on facebook there was this guy that's kind of a public figure and he said um he said do you go to church if yes, why? If no, why not? And I thought, well, this is going to be really interesting to hear and see what he says, you know. And um, 
so I, I, I was like, well, let me just scroll through. And I went through about like 20 or 30 comments. And all the ones that were why were, well, my kids really love it. Man, I'm really blessed by it. My life is better because I go to church and all this. And, and then the why nots were basically, there was two main reasons. Number one, I, I was hurt at church. You know, I was hurt. And, uh, and, and they don't want to be hurt. And I get that, and I understand that. And the other why not was because I don't need church to have a, a relationship with God. And and I hear that excuse a whole, whole lot. And, uh, I mean, it's very, in our society today, that's one of the most prevalent things that's out there. Here's what I didn't see in the yes or the no's, and this is what's so important. What What's supposed to be our why? We love God. Because we love God. So in none of those was the why I'm going to church because I love him and he told me to do it. And then you understand how the devil can rob people of the truth because they're doing it all for the wrong reasons. Because as long as soon as they mess with, well, my kids are getting blessed, well, that's their reason for being there. As soon as they mess with, oh, well, my life is down in the dumps, that was their reason. They felt like going to church afforded them that. So that was their reason for being there. So as soon as he messes with that, they're gone. And that's what you saw in the why nots. He had messed with their reason for being there. And so the reason for being there was, you know, needs to be because God told me to do it. But then what it did is it caused me to, you remember in the reset series, we talked about when in Exodus 20, 20, when they went to the mountain and here was this fire and smoke, and the people, you know, started backing up, beep, 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 right? <laughs> and they were putting it in reverse. And Moses said to them, and I'll, I'll paraphrase, this is not for you to disconnect from the Father. This is just so that you'll take him seriously and reverence him. You know, this is what this is for. In other words, God wants you to connect with him personally and intimacy, and, and intimately. He wants you to do that. So the question is, when people say, why don't I go to church? And they say, well, it's because I don't need church to have a relationship with, with God. That's absolutely true. And that's the deception in it. Right. It's partially true. The problem with that is a couple of things. Number one, they will never have the intimacy that they're supposed to have without church because what they'll be missing is the God inside of somebody else. They'll be missing the, and, you know, when Roger is moving in the power of God and he, and he, you know, somebody needs something and man, he takes shirt off his back to give it to him and that love pours out of him. That's how God wants to touch me. But if I don't have family, I'll never receive that. If I'm not hanging out with him, I can't receive God through him. And so my intimacy in that area is stripped away. So yes, I can have fellowship with God all by myself, but it will never be full and complete because he laid out us to have intimacy and fellowship with him by ourselves and with the family of God. So that's the first deception. This one's even bigger. Most people think that church is just to reconnect you with God. That's the first part of it. The major purpose of church, what is the major purpose? The church is, is to do this. He, right here in Ephesians, what I just read. 
He gave these for the equipping of the saints for the work of service, to do his work, to fulfill his mission, to fulfill the vision of God, the vision of Christ. So, And then that's where you see that the gates of hell will not prevail against. You don't see the gates of hell will not prevail against one man who has a relationship with God. You see the gates of hell won't prevail against the church, the unified body of Christ. It's where you, know, you look at it. What if we took the attitude that's in the American church today and the lack of commitment and we applied that to Jericho? Would Jericho have fallen? No, half the people wouldn't have been there. <laughs> and then when, when they gave the command, don't talk on the first six days, don't say anything, oh man, well, you might as well have been talking to the wind because we're like, well, don't you tell me what to do. I'll do what I want to. I can have a relationship with God all by myself. <laughs> That's where our heart's been. The purpose of the church is to come under one vision. Everybody has a vision that God is, if it's a proper body, everybody has a, every body of Christ, every church has a vision of God to fulfill the complete vision of Christ in the, in the body across the world. They're all playing a part. Just like in here, every one of you plays a part in the, in the universal body of Christ, every church plays a part in that call and in that mission. But if we don't come together, we won't be unified to complete a vision or a mission. And so how selfish is it for us who have a relationship and fellowship with God to not be about his business by being a part of the vision in that body? You see that? So see, when somebody says that I don't, I don't want to do that. What they're doing, is, it's a very selfish position, but they probably don't know that. They've never had that talk to me. I don't know that I've ever had that talk. Just I had, had the Holy Spirit show that to me a few weeks ago. And I went, oh my goodness. It's two totally separate things. But we've got to take responsibility for that. And we've got to walk that out. But here's the question. How do we fix this in our area? Because it's not just us. How do we fix it? I have a heart to fix it myself. I have a heart to be that uh, person that even if you don't do it, you if you guys don't do it and people watching don't do it, I have a heart to still keep going. The Lord's told me, you know, I'm looking for a people that will do the right things for long periods of time. I'm looking for a people that will do the right things no matter what they see around them or what the people around them are doing. One of the biggest uh, surprises and hurts to me as a minister in the gospel was as I started to grow up to the place where I started ministering was I, I thought these ministers were living this thing out in such a way that, man, I, I could just reverence them with ease. Man, it didn't take long for me to get up there and find out part of the root of our problem is that there's ministers that are lukewarm, not like most of them. They're not living it either. They'll preach faith on Sunday, but when it comes to believing God for something on Monday, they're not believing it. They'll preach love on Sunday, but then not do it. Well, and I've been that guy too. You have to understand, I have been that exact same guy. But at some point inside of me, I had to say, I'm not going to be that guy anymore. 
I'm not going to make excuses for it anymore. I'm going to be who God's called me to be, even if nobody around me does it. Even if Nicole stopped doing it around me and all my kids stopped. I can't stop loving God. I can't stop being obedient to what he's called me to do. I can't throw away forsaking the assembly of the saints because somebody hurt me. I will, I will challenge you and charge you uh, if you've been hurt or even if, even if you're just struggling with connecting and stuff like that. We just did the connection show, the last one. It's called Questions Part 1. The first question, Barrett was there and she brought up a question, how do you handle somebody that's been hurt in church? Man, the Lord on the spot gave me an answer I've never heard before, but man, it was right on. You need to hear it. You need to hear that answer. And I'm not going to tell it to you. Yeah, so, but it, uh, you need to hear it. You need to hear it. God, just because somebody does something doesn't give us a right to make excuses. You know, the truth is most of the time when we disobey God, it's because in our flesh that's what we want to do. And that attitude is what passes on. It becomes infectious, and that's what causes this. So at some point, you and I, as the body of Christ, have to say, I'm going to do my part. See, when we're spread out and we're all sitting by ourselves, we just feel like we're the only one that's affected. But when we're sitting close like this, guess what? The things you do, it affects the person next to you. I mean, if if uh, Roger passes gas, Barrett's going to know it. <laughs> it affects him. Thank you for let, or vice versa. <laughs> See, spiritually, we pass gas on each other all the time. Isn't this? That has to be the title of this message. Spiritual flatulence. Thank you, Jeff. I was just waiting. How do I word that? Our heart for God on fire... Or ice cold. It's spread to the person next to you. And look, on Sunday morning, whether you're sitting beside each other or not, it still spreads. Right. And this is just it. We've got to get into the atmosphere and the expectation and the understanding that this is what God wants. Us close and burning together. Burning for God together. But it takes, you know, not making excuses later on. It takes coming, being unified, even if you disagree. <laughs> well, I don't like what they did. Uh, sorry, get unified. Right, that's good. I, 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 Christ didn't like what we did either. But he unified himself with us so that we could all come together. He totally disagreed with the world. But unity was more important to him. And whose job is this? It's yours and mine, but it's all of ours. One of the things I can tell you, one of the things, and, and Barrett actually mentioned it a while ago, is we need to get evangelistic minded. As the word says, he who wins souls is wise. You need to get to the point where you say, hey, I'm coming 
to pick you up on Sunday morning. Be ready at whatever time. Go. You be ready enough to get here on time and to have gone and got them and brought them. You you take your time. You know, eventually I actually do run out of people that everybody I know in this town knows I preach and they know they're invited. All my, You're who I know, <laughs> right? But if I meet a new person, they get invited. You, you got to pick up that same thing. I guarantee you most everybody has friends that they haven't even invited. Probably don't go. They probably say they go somewhere, but they actually don't. Next time somebody tells you they go somewhere, then like uh, find out what the pastor's name is at that place, like go home. And then next time you see that person, ask them what the pastor's name is. Because it's probably changed three or four times since they went last. Now, that sounds funny. That's a truth. I see that happen all the time. Somebody will say, I'll go over there with such and such pastor. And I'm thinking, yeah, he was gone five years ago. <laughs> Happens all the time. <laughs> Don't it? <laughs> Or I go over there. What's the pastor's name? Um, um, um. He's a nice guy. Yeah. They're so tight. You know, they're so tight. Can't remember his name. (laughs) It's not a reality to this society. It needs to be. And our job, our responsibility is to help people get to that place. But it takes us, you know, now listen, listen. I was about to say it takes us tightening up the ship, right? But I don't want that to take you into the place where it takes you back to the law. See, one of the things I personally have been struggling with is, Lord, what have I been doing wrong to cause this? You know what that is? The do's and the do nots, that's the law. The question is, I need to go into the Lord and I need to spend some time with him. I need to spend some time with him. If he tells me to do something, then that's what I need to be doing. If you've spent time with him, God's told you to do something, and you haven't done it yet, go back to that and do that. Don't waste time on it. Just get about it. Get about it right then. That, that's what I, I was looking for the do's and the do nots. Well, that's the law. I need to walk in righteousness where the Holy Spirit leads me and guides me, and I'm just obedient. Obedience is better than sacrifice. I was willing to sacrifice on all different levels, but it's better to be obedient. Just spend time with him, hear from him, then just be obedient. But here's the thing. He's already said to be obedient in a whole bunch of stuff that we are not been doing. So let's make sure we're doing this. Like one of them is don't forsake the assembling. Love on one another. You know, for example, let me just use yesterday's. Let's say that you were a person who was in a town, and maybe it's even maybe it's your fault, maybe it's not your fault, but the fact of the matter is you just don't have many people that would come to a special celebration of yours. But you just start going to this church, you know, six months, seven months ago. Would you want people to show up and make an effort to be there for your special celebration? Then what should we do? Yeah. Well, I didn't get the message that they were having that. Why not? We've made it very clear that we have a messaging system, and we've said it multiple times. Why haven't you asked how to get in touch? You you see, so what happens is no matter how you cut it, it comes back down to you saying, I'm either going to honor the things of God or I'm not. 
this lack of esteeming, expecting things from God and honoring God is why this is a reality, not just in a church, but in society and in the world. And it's part of the reason that we're in the deep darkness that we are. Because we're called to be the salt and the light. And if we see darkness out there, that just means the light ain't shining. And who's the light? Us. So we've got to step it up. It's us who are called to do the work of the ministry. And guess what? It's work. (laughs) It's work. It takes effort. It takes doing stuff when you don't feel like doing it. It's work. And if you don't feel like doing work, you've got to ask you, that's the question that you need to get to. Why don't I feel like connecting to a church? Why don't I feel like listening to a pastor? Why don't I feel like growing? Why don't I feel like working? Why don't I feel like serving? Why don't I feel like loving? Because that's the root of your issue. It's not the place. It's not the people. It's not that. It's your heart. My heart. And we've got to go back to it and get real with it. And the world is looking for somebody to be real. They're looking for it. And when we get real, all of a sudden the normal of God and the power of God and the love of God, it can't be stopped. Amen. Amen. I believe in you to be able to be who God's called you to be. Each and every one of you. Because I know you put on Christ, there's nothing you can't do. I know that. There's nothing you can't do. His love will empower you to do anything. I believe in you. But we gotta we gotta get about it. Stop making excuses for it. You know, I ought to have I say get evangelistic. The truth of the matter is if I didn't make the comment I'm about to make we would leave today and I'd never hear another word about it. That's pretty, probably pretty accurate. But the truth is, when I just say we need to be evangelistic, before I got out the door, every person ought to come up to me and say, how can we do that? What can we do? Yeah. But my, my point is, that shows kind of where we've been lukewarm. Because I, I've made comments like that for seven years. And, and I get asked about them just a handful every now and then. How do we do this? How do we change it? Being evangelistic, we got it's like Daniel. You, know, you go to the park, you're just loving on them. You've got inv- inviting people on your brain, right? So you invite them. He comes. His life changes. All because he was just invited. Maybe go love on a community. We have, you know, we're going to be giving out water at the AgriCivic Day. We're going to be giving out water at the Stanley Fair. Those are easy places to do it, and everybody should take part. It's so easy, and it's fun. It's, it's just such a great setup. Those, those things are coming up. But it has to be not just twice a year. <laughs> it has to be, we need to be evangelistic at heart. He who wins souls is wise. That means we've got to get invite-minded, you know. How many people have gone to their neighborhood and like invited people? Knocked on the door. I know you have. That's why you've had people show up and say Dixie invited me. But we all need to be that way. Do you or do you not have great news? Has he not changed your life? Yeah, he's changed mine. 
then we got to be about the work of it. And it's not my job to go do it. I mean, I'll go and I'll help and I'll be there too. But if you think, oh, that's the pastor's job, you have misread the word. <laughs> he said, let me read it again because it's right here. We've been talking about it. He gave some as apostles, some as prophets, some as evangelists, some as pastors and teachers. Why? For the equipping of the saints for the work of service to the building up of the body of Christ. See, the truth is we've been so scattered and so individual-minded because we like our comfort that we haven't been able to come together for anything. We're missing the whole point of what the church is for. We can't even come together on Sunday morning as you know, in a, in a way. And, and listen, we're not the only ones. Even the most successful ones are having the same problem. It's just hidden. I know, I read to you some of the testimonies of what's been happening here. Oh, we're doing it right in moving in the power of God. There's just some side areas that need to be tightened up. They need to be straightened up some. We can go. You know, one of the things the Lord's put on my heart is to come up with a door hanger and just go and, and, and do some door hanging. Put it on. Let them know that they're welcome. You know, most people come if they're invited, the majority of people. They just hadn't been invited, not personally. Just invite them, hoping we ought to go do that kind of stuff, hoping that somebody comes to their door when we knock on it and we just get to love on them. Yep. But see, and let me point this out. How many of us have been proactive in doing that or proactive in even looking for time to do that? That's what I'm talking about. That's the area. That, that's where you want to be the kind of person that keeps bugging me to get door hangers in your hand or keeps bugging me to get invite cards. I had a whole bunch of people saying, Pastor, we need invite cards. We need invite cards. Well, I didn't print out but a couple of thousand of them, and we still got over a thousand, maybe 1,500. See, it wasn't the cards. It was the heart. Right. And we've got to face the fact that if nobody else does it, we need to change it. We're responsible for us to be the kind of people that God's called us to be. He's already working. We're already having success. You can tell that by some of the testimonies. We know, we know how to bring about the power and the love of God. We've just been missing in some of the commitment issues and some of the, the heart issues to pull it together and bring it into a unified force for God. That's just it. So let's change that. Amen? Lord, we just thank you. Thank you, Father, for your goodness and your grace. Lord, it's the goodness of God that leads to repentance. And so, Lord, if we recognize the need to repent, then let us look to your goodness to empower us. So, Lord, we recognize the need to repent. So right now, Lord, we just look at how good you are and how much you've done for us. Every good and perfect gift came from you. Every one. Everyone, everything in my life that I can call good, even if it's just a little bit above neutral, if it's good in any way, you gave it to me. Oh man, Lord, I, I, I can't repay you for all those good things. Family, life, breath, 
the ability to think, the ability to worship, to become a child of yours, to, to serve you. What a great thing. Clothing, food, thank you. Thank you, thank you. And when I meditate on that, it's not long before I just realize that I can love because you first loved me. And so let me love you by changing my way of thinking and changing my actions and turning it around, not making excuses for a heart issue, not making excuses for a lack of commitment, but Lord, let me commit to the ways that you have laid out in your word for us to get this thing accomplished. Lord, I praise you and I thank you. We praise you and we thank you as one body. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 Hold on one second. Did you get something out of that? Yes, Do you see how we need to apply some of these things? So very, very important. Amen? Amen. It's not something that we, we should not feel okay leaving it on the table. That If we, we feel okay in the least, well, I'll get to it another day. That's, we're missing the whole point. Right. You know. And like I said, it's not, you know, the devil would have you say you're failing. You're not failing at all. The testimonies tell us otherwise. Huge revelation. God meeting people, you know, talking to them, spending time with them, pouring out his love, manifesting his power. We're having success. The devil's attacking it. The biggest thing he's attacked in Boomerang in seven years is momentum. Every time we would get some momentum going, he'd, what he'd do is he would divide and conquer. He'd, he'd get people off alone and break up that momentum so that they wouldn't be unified. And this is how he did it. I want you to understand what he does because I, we've watched it now where we, I didn't know this when we started, but I know it now. I'm very aware of it. What he'll do is he would just basically uh, scatter the people. You remember in the shepherd series that the symptoms of not having a shepherd was being scattered and a lack of morale, right? So do you remember me saying just because you have a pastor doesn't mean that you have a shepherd? Number one, because the pastor might not be a shepherd. He might not be called. But number two, if you're not listening to him as a shepherd, he ain't your shepherd. Doesn't matter, he could be the best shepherd. Just because Jesus is the great shepherd doesn't mean that the world has him as a shepherd because they might not be listening to him. He, not, he might not be guiding them. They might not be allowing him to guide them. So what the devil does is he scatters people, gets them off by themselves, starts talking to them about negative thoughts. Before they know it, they're under condemnation or whatever else or thinking bad thoughts about other people. And the whole purpose of it is to break up the unity. You've got to give, that's why we've got to give, that's why he gives shepherds, that's why he gives the fivefold ministry, so that we grow up to recognize that, and even when the devil tries, we don't let, we don't let communication break down, but we allow the shepherd to be the shepherd, to unify us, to keep us together, and moving in one place. But he'll try to do that all the time, and I've, how many times have we seen him do that? Uh, more than I want to count. How many of y'all have ever been where, man, you are just receiving the good things of God he's pouring out on you in this place? How many have ever experienced that? All of us, right? How many of you have ever been in that place, and before you know it, you just have negative thoughts and you don't feel like coming? <laughs> All of us, right? He even tries it on me, too. Yeah. 
even I'll, let me let me just I'll give you this is me, and so this morning see I have a flesh too that I have to deal with, and you know I'm not upset. You I think you can tell that and see that this morning, but I still have to put down the flesh because when I see this starting out like this, especially after we've talked about it, right? You know what I want to do in the flesh. It's it's not bad. This is what I want to do. I want to be like, God loves you. Go do something about it. I'll see you later. I'm gone. <laughs> Y'all have a nice day. Yeah, but that would be wrong to do, of course. But that's what my flesh wants to do. In other words, he's going to come and he's going to try and tempt your flesh and try and keep you uh, demoralized, scattered, ununified. Anything he can do. When you listen... You help them. When you listen to stuff that would keep you out of unity, you help the devil. But when you do things that will get you into unity and joined and keep that spiritual momentum going, you help God. It's just that simple. That's a pretty simple message. (laughs) But there's power in that. Stop. We, got, we have to stop listening to the things that draw us out of the momentum of God and draw us out of unity. Amen. Amen. Any questions on that? Just questions. Amen. Father, I just ask, Lord, let these things find the place of our heart where they will take root and produce fruit. Thank you, Father. Lord, we reject the notion that we are failing. We accept the notion that we need to repent and make some changes in our heart. We accept the conviction of the Holy Spirit, but we reject the condemnation of our flesh and the devil. Lord, we thank you that we are victorious. And this is the victory that overcomes the world, even our faith. So right now, Father, we apply faith that we will be a changed people from this day forward. We will be a changed group. We will be a changed body, walking in unity, walking in the reality and the power and the normal of God and his love in the name of Christ. We praise you for it and we thank you for it. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 You're dismissed. Have a great day.